Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cognitive Recalibration Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Shravan. We don't have Tyrone here with us. I was about to do my normal intro just then. Um, Tyrone has not watched what we're recording or reviewing today. Oh, he's not caught up um, yet. So he's not caught up. So he uh, he usually uh, joins anyway, even if he hasn't watched something. But uh, he also had a bit of a sore throat and cough situation happening. So he, he didn't want to uh, jump on the podcast with a, a scratchy throat. Uh, but we've got a very uh, worthy uh replacement in fact probably a better replacement for tyrant for this <laughs> just no, no, i'm just the next best thing <laughs> um baska is back he's joining us uh anything star wars related we tend to get you back on we did book of boba fett book Obi-Wan. of boba fett i think mandalorian season two, two. we did uh and then we did obi-wan obi-wan andor is pending andor is pending <laughs> i've i've started watching nice andor, nice nice that's good um but Mandalorian season three is what we're going to be talking about today. And then we're going to spend, probably spend the first half of the episode talking about our thoughts on the overall season. And then we can jump into all the stuff they uh, announced at Star Wars Celebration and our oh, thoughts yeah. on. That was, a, that was a wild ride. Yeah. So thanks for having me back. Um, it's it's great to be back on. It's like first time we're doing video. First time I'm doing video, you guys yeah, did one last this, week for Guardians. Yeah. Guardians 3. Um, so this is really interesting. It's very bright in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, almost yeah. like... We're in an imperial like interrogation room, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. with like <laughs> the white lights meant to disorient us. But no, yes. it's good. Um, it's good to see people can finally see all the nice artwork we have, which is great. We've got some Mandalorian Grogu stuff over there. Yeah, I don't know if you. I don't think they can. It's just out of. Oh, it's just out of view. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a shot in. Yeah, yeah. Later, but we'll yes, a, we've got a um, my neighbor Totoro um, depiction of the Mandalorian and Grogu. Oh, nice. Um, just up here. Just missing a rancor. Yeah. <laughs> that can be the cat bus, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the cat bus. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. We should do that. 
So, um, so yeah, man, what a wild season of Disney Plus, a year of Disney Plus. It's been yeah, a bit I th- interesting. I think what they're doing is they're actually slowing down uh, the number of things that they're producing now um, or things that are coming out. Because I think last year there was just too much stuff. There was oh yeah, no, way too was, much. Way how too many much. Star Wars shows were there last year? There was Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett, Bad Batch season one. Yeah. Uh, season two this year, Bad Batch season two coincided with Mandalorian season three. Yeah, uh, released at the same time. But there was Bad Batch. There was Obi Wan in the beginning of the year. And then there was Mandalorian. Oh, no, Mandalorian season two was before, finished right around December. Yes, and, and then, then it was this, and then Book of Boba Fett came out. Yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, which was so nice. we had quite a bit, and then obviously the Marvel stuff was also happening around the same time. Yeah, uh, but what they've done now is I think they've just spaced out all the shows. Because um, what they did with Obi Wan actually, uh, it didn't affect Obi Wan, but it did affect Miss Marvel, which was running at the same time as Obi Wan. Right. Yes. I uh, and they yeah. used to. I think they both released episodes on the same day, so yeah, it was a Wednesday yeah. release. But both of them were releasing episodes on the same day, and as a result, um, I mean, Miss Marvel isn't as popular as yeah, Obi Wan. But I, have, I still haven't caught up on Miss Marvel because right after Miss Marvel finished, and right after Obi Wan finished, I'm pretty sure it was Bad Batch. Yeah, and then it was just continuous on like stuff to keep you occupied thereafter. That's right. Um, yeah. it was yeah, it was very very interesting. But yeah, the the schedule release aside, this season has been quite hyped up. I remember a lot of people were looking at like, well, when the trailer dropped for season three, we were all like, okay, this is where things are going to go down. This is like the combination of multiple plot lines and storylines have been developing for two years straight. Who's going to come back? Who's going to you know uh, what? What themes? Who's going to die? And like all that kind of stuff. All the, all the yeah. <laughs> uh, what characters might we see from the animated shows? All there was a lot, a lot of um, speculation, and yeah, it's really weird to be on the other side of it now. Kind of thinking about well, what are the bigger plot points now that we're going to see on the big screen? Yeah, which Dave Filoni is now confirmed to be directing, directing. a Mandalorian. B- uh, the combination, combination of all the stuff yeah. that he's done, even Rebels. Like it looks like. It's, there's going to be like Rebels, Mandalorian, Boba Fett. It might be all these things just it's wrapped into together. one big Ahsoka. Ahsoka yeah. yeah. Um, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. Yes. So, well, jumping on to our thoughts on season three. So um, before we talk about season three, I think we need to mention Bo- Book of Boba Fett <laughs> because that was essentially uh, season 2.5. Yep. Um, yep. And a lot of people maybe missed that. And uh, a lot of people did. Yeah. There's so many people who are reacting on YouTube and people who we know just personally, like going, okay, but when did he get a Naboo Starfighter? Why is Grogu back? I thought Grogu yeah. went with Luke. And and what the hell? Why why, why is he back on Navarro? And uh, people are like, oh, yeah, you need to go back and watch like episode five onwards from Book of Boba Fett. Just go and watch that. Yeah. It's like season 2.5. You won't even. Need to know what happened beforehand. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in, in Book of Boba Fett, um, which I think it was a bit of an interesting take on the viewer's side, but we're just starting to find out now on the creative side, it was a bit of controversy as well, going around the decision to include so much of the Mandalorian story in Book of Boba Fett. In Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And I think it, it was unfortunately a decision to try and pull viewers in, which they didn't need to do and you know i yeah i think, I think they could have concentrated that show on uh, we we've done a full review of book of boba fett so yeah. you can go and listen to that oh, yeah, but that in, was like a two and a half hour long yeah yeah please go watch that <laughs> yeah. that's, but that's um, worth it. yeah in that we basically mentioned like they probably should have focused more of the season on 
the title character Boba Fett rather than transitioning into a Mandalorian 2.5 type situation. And then just uh, I think it made Mandalorian season two slightly worse because everything they set up at the end of that season where he goes and uh, Grogu goes away with Luke yeah, uh, and you have that very heartfelt um, farewell essentially that uh, Din Djarin has with Grogu, it's immediately reversed yeah uh, in yep. book of, in a in another show not even in mandalorian yeah in a, in a separate show spin-off yeah, yeah, show yeah. so i think that probably didn't go down too well with fans i'm guessing well, it's not, not only not reversed like I, I think we can talk about spoilers in book of boba fett yeah. now because it's quite old luke skywalker comes in in deep fake form where it's extremely well done where it basically it's much better in book yeah, of boba fett post return yeah. of the jedi luke skywalker is shown training grogu and he's like in his new jedi academy school which is like the dream of every OG Star Wars fan to see Luke in his prime. Um, and they did this in a show as an aside, but it was very, very important. And I think coming into the coming into season three, you you don't have any more... All right, there's no more... The positives, I think, is there's no more angst of separation. Like, you know, Din and Grogu are meant to be together. Okay, they're together. Um, if they wanted to train Grogu up as a Jedi, they would have shown immediately that Grogu was not... at as attached, you know, or that there wasn't that much tension between the two because, mm. you know, Grogu and Din obviously have a lot of connection. They have a lot of familial love for each other. And we saw a lot, of, I think we saw a lot of Din without Grogu after taking care of him, like especially when Grogu got kidnapped, when Grogu got forcibly removed and and that you see Din in his moments and it's like kind of really jarring and sad. It's It's isolating. And I feel like from a viewership angle, yeah, many people might not want to see that. Mm. I can think of a lot of people who'd be like, all right, the baby's gone. I don't want to watch anymore. Yeah. Whereas when the baby's there and they're both together, it's like, oh, okay, this is cool. They're back together. Everyone is interested. Not just the hardcore fan, not just like the casual fans, but both of them together are looking at it going, all right, we're, we're all in this. Let's see where they can go. And I feel like the executives realize this real quick. Like they, they plan to pull in a certain crowd with Grogu they had no idea it was going to be so viral, so popular that these two together would be like father and son, mm. you know, like adopted uh, father and son, that kind of thing. And it, I think that's the reason why the executive team thought we've got to bring him back. Yeah. And maybe that's where John Favreau had a bit of a dis- disagreement, disagreement yeah. yeah, with with how that was done or if it, if it should be done at all. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, that's the question, if it should have been done at all or when it was done, in which show it was done in. Yeah. So I think it would have been better placed if they did it maybe in this this season of, of Mandalorian. Yeah. And maybe yeah. spent a couple of episodes sort of building that up rather than doing it in a spin-off show and they're just back together at the start of the season. But you mentioned something around um, the popularity of the, the combination of the two characters and how it was bringing in so many viewers. Yeah. Um, interestingly, this is... The viewership hasn't been great for this season. Right. Uh, it's been uh, quite low, even compared to uh, Andor was was also quite low. But uh, compared to like Obi Wan, um, it's it's certainly low, and certainly lower than the first two seasons. Right, right. So of, lower than expected, even by much lower. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and I don't know what has caused this. Like maybe the hardcore Star Wars fans are tuning in, but it's just completely lost the general audience. Uh, maybe because of Book of Boba Fett, or maybe just people are generally starting to lose a bit of interest in Star Wars uh, in general. And I, I, I would say it's it's also following a predictive, predictive formula where successive seasons get lower and lower viewerships. 
Yeah, like, but the thing is, season two, uh, the finale for season two is one of the most watched episodes. Yeah, it could be the most watched episode on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was huge. I remember when it came out; it was massive. People were losing their shit, and I, every it, week it there'd be like, like conversations about what's going to happen next. Like there was a lot more conversation on social media. Actually, as well. you're right. I, I, so when episodes came out for this, I was honestly speaking, I was actually not watching episodes as they came out. Yeah. I, I, due to you know personal like work and and stuff. Like normally in, in pre season two, when an episode came out, I would watch drop this, shit yeah. to watch the episode because I'm like, I need to know what happens. There's too much at stake. Yeah. You know, what season two was that that crazy. Like, yeah, like Grogu getting kidnapped by dark, dark troopers and, and Boba Fett coming back. And I'm like, oh, I need to see this. Yeah. This is the first time in like 20 years or 30 years that, that we're seeing characters. Yeah. Um, so season two was massive. And I was like, yeah, if an episode dropped, I would literally just stop work, come home, watch it. Uh, or, like the or, moment it comes out, because in Australia, I think the episodes dropped at like six PM our time. Yeah, yeah, pretty so decent timings as well. Like a bit, actually earlier, season two is usually they would drop it at like three PM sometimes. Yeah, two PM. Yeah. Um, in time for like the late night viewers in America, they could all kind of sink in as well. Um, but for season three, I'll I'll be perfectly honest. It's like and an episode came out. I'm like, okay, you know, uh, it's it's Din and Grogu together. They're exploring some stuff i can watch this maybe tomorrow yeah there's nothing gonna be there was there wasn't a sense of urgency and i think there's urgency there just wasn't that it felt very safe usually safety is like a positive thing but not not when it comes to movies and tv shows in this sense because it feels like nothing's going to happen to these characters in this season like it feels like they'll be fine like they'll get out of whatever situation they're in right it didn't feel like they were in serious danger at any point in time yep yep because like it, let's let's go back to the actual plot points. All right, so the last thing that was happening when Grogu and and Din came together was all the stuff on Mos Espa, right? It was a pretty local fight between the different clans, and Boba Fett became the the head honcho. All that resolved. That's great. Din and Grogu get on the N one Starfighter and they fly out back to back to their regular life. So they're not necessarily chasing anything. We know that. Din Djarin was excommunicated. It was excommunicado from from the Mandalorian tribe by um the by the armorer because yeah. he he admitted he took his helmet off. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a bit of an angsty kind of that, that that's a hook to say. Oh, is he going to redeem himself? Yeah. Uh, another thing is, is there going to be any fallout from Grogu's incompleted training? Which um, is that that sorry to interrupt, but that particular plot point was also in Book of Boba Fett in terms of like him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He uses his yeah. force powers, right, to actually help the situation. Yeah. He was the Deus Ex Machina of the of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I think it was, I think John Favreau mentioned that when Grogu was with Luke training, he was there for like something around two years. Yeah. That's what he said. And I'm like, I did not think it was two years. It, it felt like more like a long. couple of months, maybe six months at max or a year, but two years is a long time. Yeah. And like, it didn't feel like he learned that much. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like he, because he was already doing some four stuff before yeah, he met. Yeah, it was it was like uncontrolled, and he was getting yeah. tired and fatigued. Now he's yeah. using it, and it's still a bit more. He can he can stand up and yeah. And in this season, he does do some stuff, but I think this season is a bit light on Grogu. Yeah, uh, so he's not in it as much. Yeah, which I think is a positive decision. Yeah, like in the emotional moments that have Grogu are great. You know, there's some nice moments in the cockpit and that kind of stuff. But the focus of season three. Is the Mandalorians? Yeah, and well, I, I, I dare say not even Din. It, the focus is not. on other Mandalorians. It's on the the main culture. I would say the the focus is on 
the Mandalorian uh, is, I guess, a loose term. It could be any Mandalorian. But yes. in this case, it's probably Bo-Katan is yeah. the, the primary focus of this season rather yeah. than Din. Din's almost a secondary character in some like, – Definitely towards the second half of the season, um, Bo-Katan is more of the focus. Yeah, absolutely. They actually did take liberty to to almost give ownership of season three to not just Din in this case. I don't. In one episode, it was uh, it was Paz Vizsla. You know, in one episode it was Bo-Katan. In one episode, it's it's like different Mandalorians, which I think is a it's a very cool thing to do to be able to abstract away from the typical protagonist hmm. storyline. And instead of showing everything from Din's point of view, now it's taken in terms of Bo-Katan's point of view, which might not be that resonant for people who haven't followed Bo's journey from like the animated series or like yeah. Clone Wars and Rebels, but have seen her since Mandalorian season two and thought, oh, who's this uppity, yeah. really kind of cocky person? And like you, you, you get that feeling, yes. But yeah, season three is much more about redemption and about taking back what is yours. Than, than I than I I would have hoped I like we we get to see some really cool scenes to be honest about like set in Mandalore, mm. set back in the home world, and we obviously get to encounter some uh, nice enemies, some nice interesting interesting enemies actually like people from all walks of the spectrum in terms of whether they're imperial or uh, you know ex ex imperial or um, just monsters straight up like from <laughs> from the depths of Mandalore. So yeah, this most of this series takes place in. On the planet Mandalore, yeah, uh, or in the Mandalore system, which is—I'll uh, be honest—I was looking forward to this for a long time. I had no idea how they were going to pull it off because we don't actually spend that much time on Mandalore at all in the first two seasons. We just hear it, we see we flashbacks. Hear about it. Yeah, in Book of Boba Fett, you see the flashback of the the basically the genocide and the wiping out of all the cities of Mandalore by the Empire. But this is the first time we were actually going there, which is interesting stuff. That's uh yeah it it's it was a long time coming, and I think they to be honest I feel like they did that whole arc justice. They they definitely brought as much as they could from, uh like you see Mandalore in great detail in Clone Wars by the way you literally just you see them going right into the city oh really okay capital city of Mandalore they go to Sundari they literally just sit around talking to the Duchess Obi Wan so Obi Wan falls in love with the Duchess of Mandalore ah. Uh, and that's falls in love is, is implied that had a, they had a previous kind of relationship, and if anyone Obi Wan would have left the order for this particular person, so and that's Bo Katan's sister, Satine. Um, and it's like you, they're literally episodes where they're walking through the city and there's cars flying by and there's politics of Mandalore, which is why I'm like, guys, go go and watch season three of Clone Wars. There's like full episodes of like, oh, this person's trying to overthrow this person. Let's go to this other city in Mandalore and get allies and that kind of stuff. Where it's like. You see it in great detail, and then you just hear that it's been destroyed. So it's like, wow, what? Why are they going to show it again? And they they do show it again, yeah, in in a very interesting way. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's cool to see that. Yeah, I think one of the positives of this season, and it's a positive for this series in general, is the visuals. Um, I think compared to the other Disney Plus shows, this is dealt with better in terms of the the visuals. Like it feels like they. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's an episode in um, Coruscant as well, um, and that was different in terms of the visual, um, the way they uh, picturized it visually compared to like normal Star Wars stuff. Yes, um, yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, that was Mandal. 
Yeah, with the ex, uh, with 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 the ex Imperials, right? Yeah. Yes, we do see Coruscant again, which is yeah. uh, there, so there is yeah. this one episode that literally, um, like none of the Mandalorians are in. It's it's just another part of this universe that's you know uh, two other characters that we just get right, introduced right. to. Um, um, yeah, Doctor Pershing, Doctor Pershing, yeah, who and- we who we know from. Season one. Season one. Yeah. And um, another ex-Imperial we see working, who used to work for Moff Gideon um, in the end of season two. Yeah. Towards the end of season two. And yeah, it's just this kind of really weird uh, pseudo-political Yeah. Um, like a lot of take. people are saying it, like that it's a kind of episode that um, maybe fit better into like something like an Andor. Yes, yes. Rather it, than, it had uh, massive Andor vibes because yeah. it was like, you know, in, in, the, in the grimy city, you see like what happened to political prisoners and how they were turned around and they did it really well you know it, it gives a different feeling for the whole show it's like again the this is the only show that we're watching now that's set after the events of the original trilogy so in a way and but before the sequel trilogy so in a way it's like for people who kind of discount the sequel trilogy or they don't want to spend too much time there this show is like the frontier of new storytelling because there's 60 years between Oh, that, not 60 years. I think it was that 50 years or something between the events of Return of the Jedi and For, um, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. There's yeah. a lot, a lot of time. Yeah. So, in that time, there's just this frontier of storytelling that people can take place. Like, oh, what happens to new the, the post Empire world? What happens? Like, how does the Republic take over? How competent are they? And you kind of see the you kind of see the beginnings, the seeds of, uh, like overconfidence of a government mm. or the seeds of incompetence of like not necessarily what makes something like an empire but what makes a like a, a political force that defeats the empire what could destroy them you know like what what are the seeds of uh you know maybe they're too trusting they just bring in ex-imperials and imagine they're all going to work for the good of the universe or the good and, of the galaxy yeah not always the case these people are still scheming there's still a lot of ex-imperials who have the old mindset yeah so it's like and there's even one segment. Uh, we're probably talking spoilers for this. So, like, if you haven't watched, um, if you haven't watched season three of Mandalorian, <laughs> Go we, we are gonna we're gonna do spoilers. But there's a um, in that episode, there's a part where they're using some um, imperial technology towards the end of the episode. Oh yes. Um, and um, I think they're like, oh, this is we're not the imperials. We're not gonna like torture you. Yeah. But it's yeah. on a very light setting to like essentially wipe your memory or like is that what that machine does well it, yeah it, it was to initially it was like an electroencephalograph thing to just calm people down yeah or to reduce traumatic memories but if you used in the max setting it will absolutely fry your brain yeah and yeah and it was just so nonchalant it's like who do you think we are the empire son come on <laughs> those days are over we're not like that get it over we're we're, we're completely clean we're all good yeah. and it's like that's how totalitarian regimes start by saying, oh, we're not as bad as the previous guys. We're just, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're trying to keep the peace here and we're doing it easy. So it's like, you got to be careful. Like people who sympathize, there are many people who love the Empire, <laughs> like yeah. fans. Who, still who, who, who like, you know, not yeah. just dress in, like in, 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 uh, in Empire clothing or cosplay as that, but they're actually like, you know what? The, the rebellion's worse than the Empire. People actually think about this. And I, I'm kind of seeing like that side. Where it's like, okay, the rebellion is a bit like this, this ragtag bunch of political leaders and different regimes. But when you think about it, they don't have to be the exact same, but they can be as fallible in their aims to think, oh, 
total harmony is achievable. It just needs everyone just needs to get along and do the right thing. That's not always the case. That's very idealistic. And it's like, yeah, I can see people who criticize the the image of the rebellion or the new republic as it's called. Mm. Right. And you, you kind of see hints of this in Mandalorian season one and two when you have like X-Wing fighters that are police basically being a bit overhanded with like the way they interrogate suspicious ships and that kind of stuff, like really overhanded. Uh, you know, like saying, oh, you know, give us your ID. And it's like, ah, you know, I don't think I have a code. And it's like, they just pull back and get ready to attack. <laughs> yeah. And it brings you back to like, oh, wow, okay, this is like yeah, crazy, trigger-happy cops. Yeah, because so, it's not that long after Return of the Jedi, right? This, no, it's like five years. Yeah, so there'll so, still be, you know, uh, some some remnants of that, yeah. of the Imperials. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like not, not everyone died yeah. after the explosion of the second Death Star. There's, there's, the Empire spanned the whole galaxy, right? So there's going to be people who are still alive. Yeah. So it, it's, it's great to see how the show evolves. It doesn't just focus on one thing. They're showing many different things. And there's that episode in Coruscant. There's an episode um, before they go, before Din and Grogu go back to like Mandalore. They actually yeah. catch up with the uh, Mandalorian um, group. Yes. The culvert, right? Yeah, yeah. The covert. Um, and they, they kind of just get back together and they kind of talk about what what's the next move, yeah. where to go. Because this, this covert's just hopping between planets. And they found a new one, which is like this random desert. Not desert planet, but it's like a canyon planet. Is that the one with the dragon? And the- Yeah, it's filled with all kinds of beasts and amphibious yeah. predators and, and, and flying predators. And it's not safe for the kids. Um, but they're there. So the... The conversation is like, well, are we just going to keep hopping and hopping and hopping, or are we going to take back what our, our birthright and go back home? Um, so, like the first few episodes of season three is essentially just Din getting back to the covert, but the covert's having all kinds of issues with the wildlife there, and it's kidnapping, you know, it's kidnapping uh, foundlings, foundlings, and it's, uh, yeah. people are dying by fighting giant uh, snapping tortoise dragons and that kind of stuff. So they're like, oh, well, we were surviving and they like battle, but is this really a sustainable lifestyle? Mm. So it's it's an interesting scene on how that is. And then yeah. you, you obviously see Din going by Bo-Katan's uh, castle on one of the moons of Mandalore and just saying, hey, Bo, what's up? And she like couldn't be more bored. She's just like, and the last thing we see of season two is... She's well, lost the Darksaber. She's lost, well, the Darksaber was... Uh, well, was, she was with Din, and she didn't accept it when Din offered it to her. Yeah. And the last thing we see is, well, they take over the Imperial Cruiser in season two. Yeah. They have a lot of assets, and Bo's got her, her, like, um, her kind of rangers who follow her, the Mandalorian rangers. And so, beginning of season three, we see Bo's basically lost the support of her followers because they don't obviously respect her leadership anymore. Lost the Imperial Cruiser, the the crew with Axe Wolves, and, um. Like the people who used to follow her, they're not following her anymore. She's just in her castle by herself. Like, doesn't give a shit. Lost yeah. all motivation for life. I remember in season two, she was like, she had her own like team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the finale, there was, it was her and there was another. Yeah, Reva. I think it was Reva or uh, there was another Mandalorian who was a night owl. Yeah. Yeah. With her. Um... Uh, Cosca Reeves. She was there. Yeah. So was she with the. She was with Axe Wolves. Okay. The the yeah. guy. So they were both in the, with the Imperial Cruiser on um on that planet in the Mandalorian system that uh Dean and Bokatan went to get, but they had all this other side quest stuff they were doing. Was so, this the group of guys who were um 
there was this like little side plot where they were like kidnapping someone. I uh, can't remember. Yeah, that. yeah, they weren't the same Mandalorians who I think that they, they were the ones who were guns for hire. They were just yeah. doing like yeah, yeah they, they were once they left Bo-Katan, they were doing their own little bounty hunting and stuff. Yeah. But in season two, they were basically right beside her. Yeah. yeah. They were essentially just next to her and there's that scene in the um in the cantina where Boba Fett comes in and accosts Bo-Katan and she's like, You're not a you're not a Mandalorian, you're a clone. I could recognize that accent anywhere. And it's like, careful, princess. <laughs> and then he gets into a tussle with Cosca Reeves. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, Cosca and Axe Wolves are now basically heading up this Imperial, uh, this this Corvette or this kind of cruiser. That's not a full Star Destroyer, but it's like an imper- it's a pretty big Imperial hull. Because um, there's a subplot with like a husband and wife or something, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. In season two? No, in this season where they're... Um, you get introduced to them, and they're they're keeping the wife hostage, and there's a, a husband or something. And there's oh, some yeah, alien yeah, species. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. It was like a very small fight. Oh, the the, yeah. the the Aquilian uh, yeah, yeah. lovers. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The Aquilian, yeah. the prince and the princess. Yeah. yeah, that was a small, like that was the beginning of these these guys. So they're basically bounty hunting, and they're doing the work of like these other king and kingdoms trying to keep away these two lovers or so. Yeah. Uh, to bring them back, bring the prince back essentially. Yeah. So they were doing that this season. They're getting up to their own stuff. But like, one of the themes around this whole season is reuniting the splintered Mandalorians because there's Mandalorians like we're talking about Axe Wolves and Reba doing their own shit. Bo-Katan's in her castle doing nothing. Din's basically just doing random stuff. He spent some time on Navarro and he does like martial work for Grief Karga. I think episode one or episode two, I forgot which one it is, where... I think it's episode like pi- one where he... Because um, episode one, he goes there and then... Um, yeah, there's these pirates who attack... Pirates, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, who, who attack the planet that Grief Kaga's on, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, this planet's helped Mando a lot, right? Helped in a lot, so Din's feel obligated to protect it. And he basically acts as a you know, de facto marshal to, to protect the place. And he does a good job, but... Yeah, this threat is what keeps him here for a while. Uh, there's a cool scene where he tries to uh, bring back IG-11. He finds IG-11. I actually loved that scene where because I really wanted IG-11 to come back. He was, if you watch, go watch season one again. Like he's one of the best sharpshooters in the whole universe. Yeah. Just the way he takes out like an entire gang of like uh, of ruffians is insane. It's it's really cool to see. So he's like an assassin droid. So he tries to bring him back and it doesn't work out well. So uh, he goes back to his previous programming, which was to... Um, to assassinate Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. It's like this little uh, half-bodied like debris of a, of a droid just like, crawling like a horror movie. <laughs> and he tries to kill it. Um, yeah, I've got to say the puppet work in Mandalorian Season 3 was really good. You know, the, yeah. the, the puppet work for Grogu and the way that Grogu interacts with... Um, uh, what's, what's that... Name of the the small um yeah he's uh, he's small. also in um is it Rise of Skywalker yeah yeah, yeah. Rise of Skywalker he's in Rise yeah. of Skywalker like the the small uh, fixer fixer uh, species yeah. who are like just in their workshop and fixing away yeah yeah the the scene where Grogu tries to hug one of them yes <laughs> just gets, yeah, they just get away oh, from it's me hilarious <laughs> yeah. I love that but oh. then they reconstruct the droid so that Grogu can like sit in it and yeah that's, that's later on like the halfway yeah. through the through the season yeah so grogu actually has a bit of a vehicle he can he can move around in and that's become viral now everywhere like the, the he, and it's got a yes and no button it's got a yes and no button so that was interesting where they made like okay we all thought grogu was going to talk this season or, or speak somehow yeah 
And you can't just make him start talking like Yoda. Like out of nowhere. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, stay silent. I can't <laughs> anymore. Like, you can't. But even at the end of the season where um, I think he's getting inducted into being a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, we can't do it because he, he can't talk. Right. And then um, Din Djarin does it on his behalf. On his behalf. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think that's a good decision. <laughs> to make him talk. Now we're in, like, spoiler territory. So we're going straight in there. Yeah. Like, the fact that, yeah, they actually asked him if he can talk and Din's like, he can't talk. It would be really corny to make... At that point, yeah, because you never heard him talk. And, and he, I feel it would have been a bit forced. So the the fact that they found a way to make him talk without talking with this like, yes and no was hilarious. Yeah. Because like when he's in that thing and he, he can move around in a vehicle like it's a like a big crane, right? yeah. he's just like going, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. He loves it so much. And he, well, it also shows that he completely understands pretty much everything that people are saying and what's going on. He oh, just he doesn't know how to talk. That's pretty all. much, yeah. pretty much. Like he... And he look, he's 50 years old, 50 years plus. He's essentially an infant in his own right, but he's lived 50 years. So he, the time is not moving slow for him. He's still experiencing that, all that stuff. So that's really cool to see. They, they, they made a lot of interesting decisions with like the way the characters progress and move around. Um, but uh, but yeah, we, like, we can talk a bit about like Bo-Katan yeah. and her, in her kind of struggle. So like I said, she's got nothing to do at the beginning of the season. She's just sitting alone and she just gets roped into the adventure because of Din Djarin actually because he asks Grogu to go get her when uh, he goes to Mandalore because he gets captured. Why does he go there in the first place before he asks Grogu to go and get help? Remember why he goes there in the first place? Is it to ask about Mandalore? Yeah, I think, yes, yeah. it is to ask about Mandalore. And then I think she just says, oh, it's, it's nothing there. Oh, it's what, poison. Yeah, why There's nothing there. And I didn't like. I heard that it it could just be like a myth that it's poisoned to prevent people from going back. Yeah, and he has no other choice. Like he has to go there. Yeah, to, he has to because the yeah. armorer says you have to bathe in the waters of the mines, otherwise you can't redeem yourself. And he yeah. really wants to redeem himself. Yeah. So he goes to Bo, and I think he asks her, like, "What's the deal? Is it really dangerous, or can I go?" And Bo's like, "Knock yourself out." Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm. I'm not gonna try i'm i don't have the dark saber you want to go you want to go back to mandalore and lead people go go for it she's like literally just go go do it she's lost all like motivation to do anything and then so yeah din goes and there's that really cool episode where he actually goes into Man- like goes flies into mandalore flying around and he sees like you know sundari the destroyed city yeah and those visuals there are amazing by the way like he just and there's also, uh, I think before he goes there, he, he acquires another droid because he needs a droid to help him. Oh, yeah. He goes back to Tatooine for a yeah. bit, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 Goes back to Tatooine um, and then he sees uh, he sees the mechanic. He sees the the, the person he's been going to get get his, who, who built his N1 Starfighter, right? Um, he, and he gets R5, which is the same droid from Return of the Jedi. Uh, sorry, same droid from the first Star Wars, New Hope. Yes. So when Luke is looking at the line... <laughs> Oh, there's R2-D2. R2-D2 and, R2 just, and yeah. there's R5. And then yeah. R5 comes around and he goes, like, he blows a casket. Like, <laughs> Uncle Owen, this droid's got a bad motivator. He's <laughs> like, what are you trying to sell me, scrap? <laughs> and so R5 actually is still there and he's fixed up and he comes in. So he's, this is why I didn't want an IG-11, like a droid to be able to like, survey the surface of Mandalore without getting damaged. So he has R5 now, it's fine. So there's like a really cool sequence of him exploring like a chasm within uh, Mandalore and it's completely destroyed. The surface is glassed over yeah. from orbital like bombardment or whatnot. 
And there was this interesting video essay. This is a bit of a deviation, but there's, there was this interesting video essay that I saw regarding Star Wars and the way um, they treat droids now, right? Especially after Disney acquired them, right? So in the original Star Wars, droids were just like robots, like they're, they're something that you own, but yeah. they're not. You don't have any feelings towards them. Yeah, they're no, just no. machines. Like uh, they're sold and bought. <laughs> they're not allowed in bars. Yeah. So it was like a kind of allegory for a subhuman kind of slave yeah right um although yeah the, the original star wars treated the droids with a bit more compassion i think like they, they they showed them in that light but then they showed how cute and human-like they can be so r2 was the the, the kid yeah and c3po was like the annoying uh, you know uncle figure or something like that yeah so they kind of endeared droids for the first time but they did show them as subhuman yeah yeah Whereas in the more recent Star Wars material, um, like BB-8, for example, is essentially like a pet. Oh yeah, like He's a bud, like, like yeah. a dog. Well, like you, you, there's even a part where um, uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, when he first when he uh, reunites with BB-8, yeah, and he's like patting him and like doing like patting him like he's a dog. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, you can feel it. <laughs> oh come on, you can't sell merch if you don't treat it like a like a pet, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just an interesting thing that um, I think Disney are. Uh, have done since they've acquired the Star Wars franchise. Is yeah, that, there's a lot more love. You can even yeah. see it in like the convention and stuff or like the Star Wars celebration. They actually build live versions of these droids and bring them out on the stage with them yeah. like like to show that they're practical things and they're just as important as any of the other uh, actors and that kind of stuff. So it's yeah. really cool to see the – yeah, the, they, they treat them differently. Yeah, and, and the they way, definitely have like character. They're not just like some – Robots that right, are, right. Yeah, they, 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 they have like an actual persona, and yeah. I remember behind the scenes for the very first Star Wars, they had R 2s voice was completely synthesized at a point, like it was just keyboard beeps and boops. And then George Lucas said he wanted to make it feel more, more like uh, relatable. Yeah. So they actually got the sound engineers to record their own voices making weird noises, so like the you know the whistles and the and the vocalizations that people can say, oh, that's organic, that's coming from a person or a creature. That's not like a yeah. Beep or a boop. And yeah. there's actually like some emotion because the beeps change yeah. depending on how Ooh. he's feeling. Yeah. Like when he's sad or yeah. when he's like screaming, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. You actually feel like oh, this thing is like feeling shit, man. Like it's yeah. not just it's not just a, a, a hard drive. Yeah. So it's like that's that's a really interesting, that's a George Lucas decision. And they they I think Dave Filoni and the team who work really close with George are bringing that vision into like its fullest realization yeah. of like, all right, treating droids like uh, there's some like IG-11 was treated like an assassin. Um, R- R5 is treated like a veteran surveyor or an astromech droid that is like, you know, experienced in seeing yeah. the different kind of things. And there's even a section where like, I think he's scared to like actually go out. Yeah. And like in the season finale, actually, he has to do some very important things. Right. And right. there's a part where he's like getting chased by smaller droids and he's like, and you can tell like by the sounds that he's, almost fearful at, yeah. at one stage and there's a part where he has to fly down and oh yeah do some he's stuff. asked yeah. to he's asked to do a a lot actually because yeah. you know this is any 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 astromech droid you're like thinking oh they're made to repair ships this one's asked to survey a hostile planet that we don't know what's it down there he's asked to go down a chasm and just radar it survey it, and come back he does it he comes back and he says oh yeah it's you know he just gives the data and so these guys go down and Din and Grogu go go down and they basically just survey the whole place. And it's really eerie. 
it's kind of scary. And well, Din kind of basically gets he gets he gets caught by this hunter. We don't know what it is. It's like this weird hybrid droid uh, organic life form that basically hunts Mandalorians. You, we see he gets trapped, he gets hunted, injected, and all that kind of stuff. And he just screams to Grogu like, "Get Bo!" Um, and for, to, for Grogu's credit, he does a lot of good sneaking around to get up to <laughs> get back up to Din. And uh, he Grogu gets back in his little pod, flies back up, pilots the ship. Pilot, or I don't know if he pilot. He, he, he basically puts it on auto command. Yeah, directs it back to Bo's planet. He does a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, and successfully gets Bo's attention and tells him like, oh, you yeah. Know. Well, I think the fact that he came there without Din Djarin was enough of a yeah <laughs> indication that something has gone wrong. Right, so. and then, and then <laughs> we start to see that oh, Bo notices something's wrong. Yeah, when like, Grogu's kind of semi crying, and it's like, what the hell happened? And then so yeah, and then, then we get to some nice Bo and Grogu yeah, <laughs> relationship yeah. building. Where which we didn't really get in season two. I don't think they really. Nah, did. there was no yeah. bonding. It yeah. was just moments of like, uh, you know, noticing the baby he's there. But it's the first time that Bo Katan is like kind of forced to drop down her kind of really hard exterior of being that gruesome thing. Well, you know, it's it's also um, right before this all happens, her, is it after she frees? You know, she, she goes down. Uh, helps free uh, Din by going back down to the base of Mandalore through that chasm where the entrance of the mines finds Bo, retrieves the dark saber from Din, which is which Din dropped, yeah, and uses the dark saber to kill this this organism, this hunter, which is like this this crazy. Um, it's got like electro staff as well. Actually, it's not just an electro staff; it's an electro staff that has a like a lightning that can that is attracted towards Beskar. And it's a reference to Rebels because there's a weapon in Rebels that disintegrates Beskar. Basically, just destroys Mandalorians en masse. And I think they use some of this technology to kind of show, okay, this is like a threat towards Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of General Grievous, like the weird organism that it was. And it, I don't think they disclose what that thing was. You just have to see it. It's, it can dock into another massive turtle-like shell and fight with the hardware that it's in. And Bo basically tears it to pieces. She's really, and she doesn't have a problem with the dark saber at all. She wields it like a pro, and she has. She was a previous owner of the dark saber before Din got it, right? So it's like an old friend. She's just she knows how to wield it. It's there, puts it back, frees Din, gets him, um, gets him rehabilitated. Well, in the process, they oh, do they both bathe in the waters? That or is or in the process they end up bathing in the waters. Because he falls in, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is after she rehabilitates him. Then she basically takes him to the to the waters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when he goes in, um, does he get attacked or something? Well, he he basically goes in like it's it's a, he's in a once he's back to his full health, he goes in, he starts walking in, into the mines, submerges himself, and then you kind of see him like he's pulled. Yes, yeah. Almost like something's pulling him, and it's not right. Bo immediately just reacts and jumps straight into the water to rescue him. And he's not just 10 or 15 meters down. He's like 50, 100 meters deep. Yeah. And you can't get that deep by just falling. I think he, he was pulled by something. So he goes there and he's all the way, he's at the very bottom. Bo basically just dives in with the rockets and uh, it's a really cool scene. She grabs him and then resurfaces. And on the way up, like she sees something stirring and it's a fucking mythosaur. Like, that's the last thing anyone expected. It's a mythosaur that's just 
been sleeping in the in the depths of these waters. And up until that point, it was just like this myth. Even the episode begins with Bo saying, oh, it's a children's tale or something. It's a fable just told to keep kids, you know, engaged. Yeah. Now, she doesn't believe in any of this stuff. She doesn't believe in the way. She doesn't believe in the path of, you know, the 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 watch of keeping your helmets on and that kind of stuff. She doesn't believe in any of that shit. She sees this and she has like an almost religious experience. Like she doesn't know what the hell just happened. Gets up out of the water and then the episode cuts. And that's that was a really cool moment for both of them because it's like, well, they've kind of been, it's almost like a baptism, <laughs> which is weird, but it's like a right through water and they both come out of it. And inadvertently, Bo gets uh, bathed in the living waters. So she's technically herself redeemed, whatever, in, in the eyes of the others. Yeah. She's perfect the way she is in her own eyes, I think. But what happens afterwards is really interesting. She actually doesn't remove a helmet out of respect for the covert and the armorer and everyone. She kind of just is like, let's see where this goes. I'm going to keep the helmet on and I'm going to follow the way. And the moment they get back to the covert and Din's like, I bathed, she rescued me. And the armorer's like, so you bathed as well. And everyone's looking at Bo like she's the outsider. And then the armorer's like, no, she bathed. So have you removed your helmet since you bathed? She's like, no, then you're one of us. Yeah. And everyone just love bombs. They're just like, all right, you're one of us. They put a hand on a shoulder. It's immediate, like, yeah. It's this immediate thing. And you can tell how like starved for like affection or belonging Bo has been. Like she's just been so starved. Now she's like back with her people. That They're saying that she's one of them. She belongs. She's like, wow, I've lost everyone that used to follow me. Now I'm back. Maybe this is maybe this is the way for her to get. This is the way. This is yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is the way. Yeah. She actually now she understands the meaning of that. She's yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna keep my helmet on. I'm gonna help these people, and I'm gonna try and lead them. And that's where the story takes on Bo's kind of. Uh, yeah, journey. I think that's where it it switches to a um, <clears throat> Bo-Katan led uh, season rather than yeah. Dinjarin season from Which that point onwards. It's really cool because mm. you don't expect it, right? It's like yeah. wow, and that they don't completely re- refocus. It's just small scenes here and there where they show what's happening through Bo's lens. Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess we're, I mean, we've been talking about this for almost an hour, so we could probably start wrapping it up and um, talk about uh, sort of next stuff coming up in Star Wars. But yeah. a couple of criticisms that people have had for this season. Um, firstly, people really hate that episode with Jack Black and, <clears throat> and Lizzo. Oh, yeah. Jack Black and, it was that Lizzo? Yeah, Jack yeah. Black and Lizzo. That was an yeah. interesting cameo. It was a bit uh, of a filler, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah. there was filler episodes. Um, People don't like the Coruscant one. I personally thought it was something different. Maybe it didn't fit in this series. Yeah. Like it could have been part of something else. But I thought in within itself it was a good episode. Yep. Yep. Um, a couple of things that people say in terms of just payoffs. So uh, Paz Vizsla, who has a bit of an arc in this oh, season, such a cool arc. Yeah. Um, but he just kind of dies, and there's no word of. Like not, they don't, people don't even mention it after he dies. Like he does, he sacrifices himself. Sacrifices to, himself yeah. with, with, with the heavy with the heavy repeater yeah. gun, and he yeah. basically saves the entire movement. He he sacrifices himself, takes out like six or seven uh, super tro- uh, what do you call those uh, super commandos, those imperial beskar troopers, which is really hard. They need like multiple shots to like the weak points of their armor to get them done. Um, yeah, he sacrifices himself and, well, he makes up with Din because Din helped save his son, Ragnar, right? Yeah. So that's a cool little moment. Bo is responsible for that rescue as well. So 
everything's good. He's great, right? And then Paz starts supporting them now. Every time Bowen didn't get up and say, "Let's do this," Paz is the first one up, which is wasn't the case beforehand. You know, Paz literally fought Din for the dark saber in the little yeah. mini season. So his death is it was sad. Every every time someone dies by like self sacrifice in that way, it happens so many times in Clone Wars where like people die in a show of glory. This is one of the best deaths ever because he's a warrior, right? That's a glorious death. Like if this was a Viking, he would be like, he'd be dining in Valhalla right after this. Cause he died saving his people in a show of glory. And he took out like seven, seven to one. He took him out and he, he fought the, uh, like the Praetorian guard, which is like the first time we see these guys now, which the first time we saw them was in last Jedi with the weapons they had. Yes. But this is the first time that we see them now in the chronological order. Like these are weird weapons trained, Beskar armored, uh, you know, Sith-like acolytes that are trained in these weapons that basically almost have the same potency as a lightsaber. They can breach mm. Beskar armor really easily. And, yeah, he dies from... Yeah. Well, another point that was brought up was so Ray and uh, Kylo Ren fight yeah. them in, in The Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so two Jedis. Um, and in this, so obviously Paz Vizsla dies in their hands, but Grogu and... Din Djarin managed to somehow defeat them. Um. Yeah, which which is like, I mean, look, it's a bit of a stretch because they're not only one Force user and and one Mandalorian. The one thing they have going for them is that Din's Beskar armor probably is something that the Jedi's didn't have. And obviously, the look, two Jedi's versus they're not the exact same Praetorian Guard. And if they were, they'd be old as hell. Um, it's probably passed down or passed up. Who knows? That could just be. Last Jedi ones could have just not faced battle in a long time. Mm. They're just inexperienced because they're just you know safe under the leadership of Snoke. These guys are still pretty, pretty strong, and it takes a lot to kill them. But yeah, if anyone was going to kill them, it'd have to be someone who's who's versatile in weapons handling. Um, I can't. I don't remember. Did, did he, he didn't have the dark side with him? Did he? No. No, because at that stage he's already given it to Bogatan. Which is another thing uh, people have brought up is that feels a bit anticlimactic the way he just gives it to her. Yeah. Uh, like, because the actual incident that uh, happened was earlier, like where, where she earned it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, in, in this one, there's actually a little bit more, it's a bit like Harry Potter and the Elder Wand kind yes. of thing, where it's like he gives it to her, but he actually tells people, well, that's exactly I was, how it was, actually. That's, yeah. that's what I felt in terms was, of when uh, Harry. Uh, earns it from Malfoy because he just right. snatches the wand out of his hands. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and similar it's like, to that. Well, who beat who? It's like Din actually got defeated in battle when he had the Darksaber by this weird hunter. And Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Bo-Katan defeated the hunter. So technically, if... And she picked up the... She picked up the Darksaber, so it's like, well, the, yeah. if the Darksaber had a... If the one chooses the wizard, if the Darksaber chooses the Mandalorian, yeah, yeah. she definitely earned it in that moment. Yeah. And so Din just is reminding everyone, like, look, yeah. I lost. Bo took it and defeated it. Yeah. And then immediately all the Mandalorians that are watching them are like, oh, okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. We believe you. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe that that confidence in that like ability is different to just handing it over. Yeah. No, no one would have respected her if Din's like, ah, I don't care, take it. Just take it. But yeah. Din's like, no, I died. Almost, I almost died. She saved me. She took it. So this is rightfully hers by creed. And that's when everyone's like, oh, shit. Okay. Makes sense. Maybe it is. And then the way the way she uses the Darksaber from then on is very, very, like, only when it matters. And she uses it really, really well in the last endgame. That, that, that last fight scene when all the Mandalorians like, flying and charging against the imperial super commandos who are you know, th- so yeah moff gideon is alive <laughs> and he's been he's been yeah. basically so that comes up raising a, an army of like uh beskar armored imperial stormtroopers which is a reference to that happens in rebels yeah they're called super commandos and they basically fight with death watch against the other mandalorians but yeah he brings them back and there's this epic and he's scene. also cloning yeah. himself yeah he's cloning himself which they really glossed over that yeah, and the Which, whole thing around that was just not well, yeah, it's just not well delivered in terms of the, the show because this isn't the finale, right? Um, so he's looking at a map and he can see Dinjarin on the map, yeah, like where he's walking, and he knows where his clones are, yeah, he knows he, they're walking towards that, yeah. So, and he's got time to actually go and confront them, but he doesn't. Yeah, and he then, just sees. He yeah. just kind of sees what happens. Yeah, he's just watching them, and he, obviously they're going to destroy them. Like they're not just going to walk past them. Yeah. So yep. Um, he just lets that happen, and then afterwards he's like, "Oh, you've destroyed." He's angry about it. I'm like, "You had time to." Yeah. Well, you, like you, you see these vats <laughs> of Juan Carlo Esposito. You see vats of him, right? And then Din just destroys him, knowing this can't be good. Like we, we kind of see it build up. There's mysterious hints to cloning people are talking about and it kind of builds up and builds up throughout the season and then it's not really addressed in a proper way i really felt they took a moment to have uh moff gideon had this they should have given him a monologue where he's like i'm 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 gonna transcend death 
like have like a Voldemort moment where it's just like I'm creating clones that are force sensitive. Yeah. But you don't hear about it until Din destroys them and he's like, what did that's, you do? That's right. I was yeah. building force sensitive clones to replace me and combine the best of the Jedi with this. And it's like, you kind of see it in a way where it's like, he speaks of it mournfully. Whereas you need to kind of spend some time to show what he's actually doing. Because until that point, it's not really revealed what he's trying to do. Yeah. That's um, right. So it's like, well, okay, cool. That happened. And, you know, he fights Din Djarin and and Bo at the same time. There's a, that, that's a cool battle scene. They all fight together. Darksaber versus um, Moff Gideon's Electro Staff and that kind of stuff versus just Din with his weapons and Grogu as well. So it, Grogu it's, ends up saving the day, or at least saving Bo-Katan and yeah, Din Djarin. And in his yeah. uh, We Are Groot moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just does the force shift. Yeah. Um, as of uh, like people, some rebels fans are like, "This is this is what uh, Kane and Jarrus should have done," and I'm like, "Okay, that cuts deep for anyone who's watched Rebels. Please don't insult Kane, and he did his, he did his best, <laughs> right? <laughs> he dies. Try to do the exact same thing Grogu did, but he couldn't like stop the explosion, uh. so he dies from it. But he say he saves uh, his family, and he pushes out Ezra and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, no, that was a noble noble cause. And again, you don't really see." Moff Gideon die, you kind of see him engulfed in the explosion in the flames, and then the yeah. cliffside just gets completely collapsed. Yeah, like, dude, so he's wearing you, Beskar armor. I'm like, make it... If you don't make it clear... He's then not he's dead. probably going to come back. I mean, yeah, the Emperor came back, so really. Oh <laughs> Somehow, Moff Gideon returned. I swear <laughs> to God, that's the worst writing in the history of Star Wars. <laughs> Actually, no, the worst writing in the history of Star Wars is you can't... We can't defeat him with hate. You have to save what you love. <laughs> <laughs> Last Jedi is full of singers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it. It was an interesting season. It had its ups and downs, and people coming together. Some some awesome scenes, like when the Mandalorians first come into Navarro, and you see the like Imperial cruiser with like the Mandalorian design of the mythosaur on the bottom yeah. like that is that was, epic that's awesome i love that it felt like so a, that was the second last episode second last episode it felt like yeah. a dennis Villeneuve, like a dennis Villeneuve shot of dune almost yeah it was yeah it was uh the second last episode is probably the best episode in in the season oh yeah uh, everyone coming together and just yeah. planning the attack yeah um there's a lot of so a lot of battle a lot of uh you know hopes that were like okay they're gonna fight for mandalore they're gonna take it they do the end episode where everything's kind of nice and resolved was great to see that them taking back Mandalore, reigniting the furnace. Uh, the armorer is not evil. This is not planning some weird thing. There's so much like speculation about, oh, but she's been working with Moff Gideon. Like why? Why would she betray her own people? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there was no twist per se. Yeah. Which I think is everyone was expecting a real crazy cameo or a real crazy twist or something to happen. Yeah. And like, Luke Skywalker doesn't turn up again. Uh, I, I wouldn't have liked that. Like, yeah. he, like if he turns up every time something's wrong, it's like, well, you never you can never make a show. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to come and save the day. Yeah. This was just Mandalorians fighting for their own peace. You know, Paz Vizsla died. That's enough. So like the, the end of it was done, I think, quite well. They wrapped up everything. They gave Bo-Katan her resolution. She's now leader of the of the Mandalorians. She earned it, and I think she did earn it. It's well, well, well earned, and uh, she she was given that the armor is back on Mandalore with and in Sundari with the, with the massive forge. They've reclaimed Mandalore, which is huge. This is something that's been happening back and forth for like the last sixty years, I think, um, since Clone Wars, since Rebels, they changed hands, and now it's back. And Din is back on Navarro with Grogu, and they have their own little you know home on the range. 
which is really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, IG-11 is fully back and now he's the marshal uh, of Navarro with his new programming. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. I think everything has a nice little resolution to it. And the, they almost ended it as if this is the end of the Mandalorian show altogether. Yeah, so which is really weird. It was like, wow, is like, it a it's not it felt like it wasn't just a season finale but a series finale. Yeah. Uh, like and a, they haven't announced any more Mandalorian seasons. No, they haven't. So which is this purposeful. could be it. Yeah, which could be it. And like, I, if it was the end, I, I would not be sad because everything kind of resolved. They rushed that finale though. There was so much that happened in that finale. Yeah, that yeah. you could feel it was rushed. They, if they didn't split it into two, I feel like they should have maybe put a little bit less in it. Um, it was just there was so much in that finale. You kind of felt there, there was the whole. Moff Gideon clone, Force clone storyline. The, the 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 counterattack of the Mandalorians coming from orbit back into the thing. The massive uh, the the Praetorian Guard fight was in that, and the Moff Gideon fight was in that. It was so much. Yeah, I think they could have paced it a little bit. They could have split it out split across it out, a couple maybe. of episodes. Yeah, because there's definitely filler episodes which they could have. You know, just removed. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah, the the one with Jack Black probably. Yeah, it, it was, was great. It was great seeing yeah. you know Jack Black and Lizzo. You know, in a universe that maybe we never would have imagined them Except seeing them. In, yeah, but it's I wonder like, if he made a song on this one. Oh, that, he makes a, he makes a song for everything he's in. He yeah. would definitely would have made a song about this. Yeah. I would love to hear about Matt yeah. <laughs> Jack Black. Um, it, it it's you know it's interesting. It's 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 a series that felt to me like you know how um uh. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, how it were, it had to be completely rewritten because of COVID. Yeah. And the whole premise of the storyline was vaccines. Yeah. And, it, and you could tell it was massive swathes of story were swapped out. Um, if not last minute, close to production, where certain things kind of felt like they didn't connect as well. Something else happened in the back that they had designed or intuited and it didn't really feel like that was their intent. Yeah. This is what season three felt like. It felt like there were so many things that they had planned or done in the background that had been kind of rewired or rewritten towards the latter half of the season. Yeah, I think it had to end in a certain way, maybe because of the movie that's coming up. Right, So yes. that things had to be, at least for from the Mandalorian perspective, they had to be in a certain state before yeah. the start of that movie, yeah. I'm guessing, and they had to write with that in mind. Um and maybe rewrite with that in mind. So in terms of other stuff that's coming up, so we've got the the movie that's a culmination of all of these shows. So we've got Ahsoka coming up later this year. Yeah, Ahsoka's uh, going to be huge. Um, like that, yeah, Mandalorian is to Clone Wars as is Ahsoka is to Rebels, Yeah, I think. There's going to be a continuation of many different storylines, and we even saw some cameos of Rebels characters in Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah. So we saw Zeb. Uh, Arazeb, um, who is one of the chief characters of Rebels, and to see him in full CG mocap, voiced by the same guy who voiced him in Rebels, uh, Jeff Bloom, it was like, wow, that's that's uncannily good. It looks so good, and yeah, I can't wait to see them in, in Ahsoka. There's a lot of details that came out in Star Wars Celebration, so Ahsoka trailer dropped, the announcement of Dave Filoni doing not just the Mandalorian film, but there's going to be other people doing other films around that same time period. So, um, and it was revealed that uh, the voice actor for Thrawn, who that was going to be the same one from Rebels, um, Lars Mikkelsen. Yeah. Is going to be doing it. 
So we got Thrawn name dropped. We got Ahsoka. We we I I feel like we're gonna see a lot more. Oh, Thrawn was also dropped in season three by Moff Gideon. So he's there's a cool scene. We're just going back to that where he's talking via hollow conference to all these other different imperial survivors and leaders and you know commanders who survived. They're planning something and they just mentioned his name. Like, what about Thrawn? We got to wait for Thrawn. And Moffy's like, I haven't seen Thrawn. I don't know where he is. Where is he? He's not around. Everyone's talking about him, but I don't know where he is. Mm. And the last thing you see of Thrawn is he just zips off into hyperspace because Ezra pulls the thing with the pergils. Um, so we don't know where he is. And so Moff's like, look, if he's not here, he's not here. He's absent. And that's the way we leave that whole thing where I think Thrawn is going to make a massive entrance and he's going to be like the force to be reckoned with. They might even do, like I've been listening to the Thrawn audiobooks and I'll be honest, there's enough material in there, like his history, to do a film or a series just, just on Thrawn. Yeah. There's so much depth of character, like the military tactician side, the the story side of what where his allegiances lie. I reckon they could do it. And I think this is the one character that is not being built up just to be dominated by a hero or to be defeated by a hero. I feel like this is one character that could sustain, possibly even be the cause of the uh, the new order, right? Yeah. Um, which which I reckon if they don't take advantage of Thrawn, they, if they don't milk it for all it's worth, they'd be making a massive mistake. Yeah, Timothy Zahn is going to be involved, I reckon, in one of these endeavors. Um, so who knows? I I feel like in the Day Filoni film, we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of characters come back, be called. I think Boba Fett's going to come back, obviously. I think Boba Fett. Uh, well, coming back to Boba Fett, actually, um, apparently he was supposedly meant to be in season three. Or, yeah, I was. Thinking, yeah, he's got to be right. Like he's Mandalorian now. Yeah, I think they they told uh, Tamara Morrison that. Uh, or they might have mentioned it when they were filming Boba Fett. Yeah, that he's likely to be in season three, but well, apparently I mean, he, he never got a call. So, yeah, that's yeah. a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Like I would have loved to have seen him with you know his gunship, just come blazing, all guns blazing in uh, into Mandalore. Yeah, and be like, it's good to be home, boys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like something like that would have been crazy good. Yeah, because um, but yeah, again, it, it, that that would have been the thing that would have sealed off season three. Like saying, oh, nice. Boba Fett's in this. He got his revenge because you know Din took out most of the yeah. book of Boba Fett, and he's he's returning uh, a service because without Din, you know Boba couldn't have taken Mos Espa. Yeah, that's right. So like, just a simple kind of reference would have been great. I think he'll be in the. He'll be in the. He'll movie. definitely be in the movie. He'll be in the movie. For, for sure. Um, and the the movie is going to be this is Dave Filoni's first movie, so there's going to be a lot of hype. Given well, he's got a lot he's of done. experience, um, in terms of shows over. Decades, right? Massive. But, um, yeah, this like, will be his first feature film. As a storyboarder, like he started off storyboarding right now to doing like live action. And like, if you go back and watch season two of Mandalorian and watch the Ahsoka episode where she's the main character in it, like, if the movie's anything like that, it's going to be epic because Dave Filoni is a massive fan of like Akira Kurosawa, mm. like, which is what inspired George Lucas to make the character of Obi Wan Kenobi and that kind of stuff. Like, the old samurai films, the old westerns. If Dave Filoni channels that kind of energy, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Because that's the kind of stuff that everyone is like, just like frothing at the mouth to see more of the, the core Filoni stuff. Um, and I think right now in, in terms of Star Wars property, apart from Tony Gilroy and Andor and what's really working, like there has never been as much support for Star Wars as there has been under Dave Filoni. 
like people are like rallying behind him because he's he's credited with bringing some of the most beloved uh resurrections of of the Star Wars fandom like the Clone Wars obviously the Rebels uh you know with the Mandalorian with John Favreau has been like a love letter towards everything that maybe the sequels kind of neglected yeah and um, imagine bringing an audience that is traditionally not Star Wars as well so yeah, a wider massive achievement a wider audience yeah so i think a lot of people are definitely looking forward to that movie i think it's still three or four years away yeah i, th- I think ahsoka will be the first foray into building that because like, the, there's a big difference between making a, a series which i think is much more intensive than a movie mm. because you got instead of just two hours on screen you have to, like 10 15 hours to develop characters storylines it's much more intensive you get more time to work with the script a movie has to be something that you can um you can do in two or three hours time it's got to be really condensed and you got to make it feel like it's not rushing yeah which is a massive challenge yeah you know like think about the last episode of season three that felt rushed it was an hour and 15 or 20 minutes long right now imagine making a movie that has more things that happen in it without feeling rushed that's a real challenge yeah right? i was i was just watching uh Denny Vino's Dune the other day because I can't get enough of Dune and there's so much shit that happens in that two hour and 30 minutes none of it feels rushed yeah and the way they do that is that you pace it out you you use different filming techniques to make it seem like the passage of time is happening without it actually passing so it's an art form it's a really really interesting yeah it's specific. definitely different to a, a series so that's a skill yeah. that uh, he's has he done? There's a Clone Wars movie, right? Which yeah, there's a Clone Wars yeah. movie, which is not it's not highly regarded or critically acclaimed. Yeah, and it's an animated movie. Yeah, yeah. so and I'm pretty sure Dave did work on that. Yeah, it wasn't amazing. It was just a story thing to kind of start off the TV series, to be honest. So yeah, he 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 hasn't had some real. He's he's never done a live action film. He shadowed Ryan Johnson in Last Jedi to get like that live filming experience before he did his own stuff with Mandalorian, obviously. So I think there's no one more qualified to do it right now as a storyboard maker. And obviously Dave is not going to do it by himself. He's not going to jump in this alone. He has people he trusts. He has directors that he works with and he has cinematographers he trusts. So I think there's 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 going to be a lot of good talent behind this and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not even sure what I'm expecting right now. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what I want <laughs> in terms of the ma- Star Wars. It's, Star Wars is in a weird phase right now where it's like the different, there's several different timelines happening. Yeah. Right? There's pre Empire with Andor, there's post Empire with Mandalorian, there's pre sequel with like, uh, you know, some of the shows that are coming in right before the sequel trilogy. Um, there's post sequel stuff now with the new Ray movie. So. Yeah, that's a mind trip. Yeah. Uh, post sequel with new Ray um, leading a new academy. And then there is the sweet old Clone Wars era, yeah. before between Revenge of the Sith, sorry, after Revenge of the Sith, before A New Hope, so Obi Wan, um, the Jedi Survivor series, video games, all that kind of stuff. This and then High Republic, obviously. Yeah. So like seven different timelines. Then this is what they highlighted in Star Wars Celebration. There's six different like timelines where they can build more story and write and and explore. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the young. The Young Jedi, the the kindergartens, the show. Oh, okay, <laughs> the, yeah. The, which is, I, I don't think it's. Is canon. that the one with Jude Law? The there's there's a show with Jude Law. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's that's not going to be the. This is the I'm talking about the um 
It's like the Coco Melon equivalent of, oh, okay, of Star yeah, Wars. Okay. Where it's like the young, young Star Wars Junior. Star yeah. Wars Junior. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There is a show with um, Jude Law where he's with um, teenagers or something. I don't. Know yeah, exact, uh, that, yeah, that might be uh, Acolyte. Is it Acolyte? Potentially. Yeah, yeah. It could be. Um, and then there's also the James Mangold film feature film, uh, right. which is apparently about the first ever Jedi. Oh, so that, yes, this will yeah. be like pre. Everything. So Pretty, be, everything. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. I, I yeah. think it's it's cool to be in a place where you don't like. I don't know what I want, which could also lead to a lot of disappointment. People could be like, "Oh, I, we didn't want this." Don't. Which is this generally the case like, with um, someone's always disappointed when it comes to Star Wars. Oh, obviously, it's, it's hard to uh, like. We we have. Everyone. I think Celebration was a great. I don't know if anyone else watched Star Wars Celebration, but it was a great, great show of the love the fandom has for certain people who have maybe had it rough. Like Hayden Christensen, he every time he comes out for like the celebration. Last time was Anaheim. This time was in London. He got a such a massive like standing ovation and just fan response that you know it, it's 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 great to see that. And also, um, I don't even know if we mentioned this, but Ahmed Best, hmm? Ahmed Best, the guy who did the voice Jaja of Jaja, yeah. he got a massively cool cameo in Star Wars in in Mandalorian season three Mandalorian. Where he 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 saves Grogu, right? He's a Jedi that saves Grogu from the escape from the from this oh, flashback. Yeah, 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 in the flashback. Yeah, 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 in yep, the flashback. Yep. Oh, that's him. That's okay. him. That's Ahmed yeah. Best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, like the, the it's it's answered. How did Grogu escape the Jedi Temple during Order sixty six? Well, Ahmed Best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> came up in Jedi robes with yeah. dual lightsabers and fucking saved him, which was an amazing scene. Yeah. Uh, so Ahmed Best also is getting a lot of love. A lot of people getting a lot of lot of love at Star Wars Celebration. Um, oh, if you haven't already. Please go and watch like the panels they had for like Andor, because Andor is now people are like there were people who came to Star Wars Celebration dressed up as the prisoners and stood at the bus stops barefoot to catch a bus to go to the yeah. celebration thing without shoes just to honor the show. That's and I think when um when 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 the showmakers were on the panel they realized that like, oh my god these fans are crazy <laughs> yeah. like yeah you have the best fans and you have also the most toxic kind of people in the backgrounds but yeah. I like to think Star Wars has the best fans because we can be passionate to a point of toxicity, but when it comes to when it, when it really counts and we have like um, Obi-Wan, the cast and crew of Obi-Wan came back for like the one year anniversary to show oh, how, how the impact it. And the little, I forgot her name, the little 10 year old girl who played Leia. Leia, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. She got such, she's such an amazing like presence on stage. And she got a lot of love from the characters and, and the audience. Everyone loves her, like talking about how she approached the films and how she watched the original movies to prepare for the role. She's ten years old. Yeah, she shouldn't even be like talking on stage. Like, I I, I was non. I'm pretty sure I wasn't nearly as verbal. Her being her age, but she was such a cool, collected, you know, appreciative of the series and the fans and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was really cool to see Celebration drop all those, drop all those bombs and those yeah. revelations. Well, a lot of people are waiting for a movie, uh, movie announcements because there hasn't been any movies that have come out since um, Rise of Skywalker, which was understandably so four years ago now. I think so, the, the Star Wars movie experience has yeah. been a little bit traumatic for some, yeah. unexpected for both, and disappointing for others. A few people love it, but like, yeah, as a movie goer, like, yeah, the Star Wars has now crossed over to. I, I'm a, I'm in I'm a, I'm in love with the series now. The TV shows. Yeah. We have time to develop the characters and, and the, the movies have kind of made me realize that, okay, I need to take this a little bit less seriously <laughs> because some movies I watch, I'm just like, 
I can't believe they destroyed everything I loved. That's that's the feeling I got watching Last Jedi. And I was just like, nothing's going to redeem this for me. And I go watch it again and I'm like, eh, you know what? It's a movie. I shouldn't take it that seriously. <laughs> that's that's when I started realizing, I'm. A, you know you're too much of a fan when you get that disappointed <laughs> and you just take things easily afterwards. Too. And I'm like, I've never felt as emotionally invested in anything else. So I'm like, oh, that's great. I can actually come back to, re- to reality now and appreciate things when they're done well. And so you see people watching the finale of season two of Mandalorian or watching the book of Boba Fett, Luke comes back and people are crying because they don't know how to express this gratitude. I want to see more of that unexpected uh, surprise or of like, you know, show me something from, you know, the, the Timothy Zahn universe or the old legacy Star Wars that, you know, people weren't expecting. Throw that stuff in there. People are going to love it. Yeah. That, that's what the movies are going to be now. Like little entries. And it's good the, that they're moving away from like the trilogy structure and they're just doing separate stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think they, they they were going to do that, but unfortunately like Solo um, didn't perform that well because I think they had more sort of single movies planned. Yeah, with, they um, did. I, I still feel Solo, if, if Solo didn't exist, you wouldn't miss any of it. Like, yeah, yeah. Because the whole story of Solo is told between the lines in the original Star Wars, right? You see, Han was an ex-imperial, or that what is the Kessel Run? You know, uh, where did Lando and Lando and Han had some bad? And it was good to have that like, like mystery around his past as well. Yeah, yeah. I think seeing it, it kind of demystifies it. So it's it's not it's not as cool anymore. Yeah, yeah. and it was happening in this phase of Hollywood where they felt this need to go back and show exactly what happened the moment before our beloved movie began, like Rogue One doing the movement, like the literal minutes before beginning of Star Wars A New Hope. Yeah. Or like The Hobbit ending right where Lord of the Rings started. Starts, with yeah. With Elijah Wood and stuff. Like you don't need to do that. I don't know why they feel like they have to do it. Yeah. You know? And that was around the same time that Solo came out. It's, yeah. it's a good film. I just feel like if it didn't exist, would you really miss it? Yeah, although they did set up some stuff in that movie with um, Darth oh, Maul. Oh, Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah. Ray Park resuming Darth Maul. And yeah. Shit. And I'm like, that's some pretty <laughs> heavy stuff. And technically he is alive during that time. So yeah, it's interesting to see where that. Where I don't that think they're is. ever going to revisit that, but by, by the looks of it, but because um, Emilia Clarke's character was obviously scheming something with Darth Maul. Yeah, 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 with, yeah. with the criminal syndicate that was yeah. setting up, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, they, they, they could still do it. It would just be really forced. Yeah. Right, and it's set before the events of A New Hope, which is not where the Filoni universe is going, which is post post Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So you got to be asking yourself, well, is it really worth? Maybe they just put it as a cameo. I don't think they had intended too much to go forward there, but yeah, it must be really weird as an actor now. If you're going into Star Wars, which time era are you gonna be placed in? You know, because there's some time eras that are just doomed to fail. Like if, you, if you're put in the time era before A New Hope, you know it's gonna be limited. Like maybe Obi Wan season two, they could have I don't know, um, the guy who plays a Cal Kestis, Adrian uh, Dominic Mon- not Dominic Monaghan. What was his name? I forgot his name. Yeah, he you could he could have a TV series where he plays Jedi Survivor or the sequel to Jedi Survivor as a TV show. But I, if I was an actor, I would want to be cast in roles that have open ended storylines, like maybe post Mandalorian, mm. post Mandalorian pre sequel, post sequel even could be interesting. Post-sequel. I don't know. Yeah, well, post sequel you don't know what's going to happen, right? There's yeah. there's nothing we, we don't know. So don't that know. is as open ended. The only hint I got was Ray has the books that she got from Luke's uh, Hamlet. So she's going to use those books to start the new Jedi Order. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting to see what happens. I've I've seen some rumors that she's 
pregnant in some leaked screenshots. So yeah, you told and me I, this. I pulled it. You told me this theory. I um, called it the moment I saw fucking Kylo put his hand over Ray's stomach to revive her. I'm like, he's gonna like induce life in her womb or some shit. Like she's gonna like if, if they make that happen, it'd be the corniest shit ever. But I'm like, please don't do that. Just make yeah. her like Ray the Jedi Knight. Like yeah. I have reservations of Ray as it is, but if she just make her okay, if she teaches, I'll be happy. You know? Yeah. Do, if she does what Luke couldn't do in the end. Yeah. Um people are not happy about that, by the way, because they Luke Skywalker fans, they obviously oh, yeah, they, me. They, I I'm I'm right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely furious yeah, so. that they made him like oh this this old disgruntled uh guy i'm like yeah like and that they do not want to see um ray do it instead of luke because they're like what does ray have that luke doesn't have <laughs> so- I, I can see that but i'm I'm now starting to, to kind of counter those toxic fans that are like listen if she's the last remaining jedi who else would you have doing one of luke's There's ghosts no else, flipping yeah. pages There's no one else yeah so it's like Okay, we you made a Jedi. You made three films around this Jedi, right? Let's let's uh give her the the love that she deserves. I I do think Daisy Ridley needs to have a bit of like love. She was introduced, she was brought back on the panel to announce the movie and she got a she got a like an applause, but I feel like there's a reason why they're not bringing her back into the proper like mosh pit of Star Wars fans yet. Because there's still a bit of a divide. It's too and too early. Yeah. Let, let's learn a lesson from how Hayden Christensen was treated, right? The fact that they love him now, let's skip all that time and just give Daisy Ridley some some affection, right? She's she she got a crazy hard role. People are so I don't know if you know this, but actors are actually kind of apprehensive of taking these roles because oh, yeah. once they're cast, it's like they can't do anything else. That you're you're you've gotten the role of a lifetime. You don't yeah. need the smaller movie roles anymore, so they're not cast. Yeah. So yeah. it's like really hard for them to be tasked as anything else. So this was a sacrifice as much as it is an opportunity. Yeah, they got a lot of movie. They got a lot of thing. They got a lot of hate as well, dude. Like the amount of shit they get, you, I can't imagine what it does to people's psyche. Yeah, like the um, what was her name? Kelly Marie Tran, who played oh, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, what was done to her was look. It was a sh- the screenwriter's fault. Most of it was the screenwriter's fault. She's a great actress, not a fault. The line she was given and the act she was had to do was just bad, and the fans. And the fact that she was basically just written out of Rise of Skywalker because she was busy with something else, so she just yeah. You know. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think that the the, the showrunners and screenwriters have a lot to answer for, and she wasn't she wasn't given a correct opportunity. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing her in a in a in a TV show post, you know, yeah, Rise of Skywalker, just to show what 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 she's up to and how she's kind of interacting with the new world. Um, I don't know if she, the actress would be helpful. No, she might not want to resume that. There's a lot of uh, actors from that sequel trilogy that are, have openly said that they're not coming back to Star Wars. Oscar Isaac. Oh, Oscar Isaac doesn't want anything to do with it. John Boyega. Oh, my God. John Boyega <laughs> is like so... I love how vocal he is about how shit the sequels were. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're going to make the guy who like almost tried to kill Ray fall in love with him and have them together? Isn't that a bit... That's a bit, you know... It's a bit abusive. You, think? Like, <laughs> you know, it... Yeah. And I'm I'm totally for him. I, I love everything John Boyega's doing now, just going out and saying like shit against you. He's like, um, and he's right, you know, because they they included him for the for the excitement of everyone else, thinking oh it could be a Jedi. Yeah, because be the Jedi. first trailer for Force Awakens, you yeah. see him with a lightsaber 
Well, you see yeah. his hand with a lightsaber. Right. And, yeah. and to be honest, I never thought he was going to be a Jedi. I thought it was, they're setting him up for someone else to become a Jedi. Yeah. But I thought at least they'd make him a leader of the rebellion or, or against the, the stormtroopers who are like, you know, rising up against the... Yeah, because he had such an interesting order. backstory because he, he was a... Oh, ex- such a backstory. They did nothing with him. Like, the, the Last Jedi basically made him a comic relief, right? Yeah. And... Not even that. He was just yelling at Ray the whole time. So well, that and, yeah. and his entire, his entire, all, all of the arcs. And like, okay, I have to stop myself every time I talk about Last Jedi because <laughs> I could go into like a, a, I have a vein that comes up here and I'll go into like a, a, a 92 minute rant. And about, now that we're on video, you get to see the vein. You get to see the vein in high def. Like I could, dis, I could deconstruct Last Jedi to show how like it's all about the stupid upending expectations. But his storyline was purposefully made to that you're following this 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 uh this progressive story where he thinks he knows how he's going to save it and it leads to nowhere and that's the point of the movie where everything leads to nowhere right and he had the new uh, the rise of skywalker basically just takes it to another level where it's just like well and in that movie um he's always there's always something he wants to tell right it's like i need to tell you something but yeah. he never ends up telling her yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's like yeah it's it's kind of uh you can tell they didn't really think about it yeah, and when you hear about the canned version of what was meant to be the the Colin Trevorrow Drill of the Fates script, yeah, it was so much better. Like the way they took Ray's direction of being this renegade Jedi, just seeks out and destroys what she thinks to destroy. Finn is not even worried about simping for Ray. He's just focused on collecting all of the stormtroopers who want to rise up against the New Order. Um, what is it? What is the New Order called again? I keep uh, I keep missing it. Um, I keep mispronouncing it. Not the Fallen Order. Um, last Order, Final Order. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. It's like the last. There's a, there's another there's another name for the Red Ones. Yeah. Like the Final Order or something like that. Yeah. So he he creates this uprising, and the script screenplay for it is incredible. Like the way that they showed what was happening with the storyboarding of him in like ATATs leading an army of like ex stormtroopers against the New Order. It's like, well, I would have preferred that. I would have like way preferred that. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't even remember what happens in Rise of Skywalker. I've almost deleted it from my mind. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. actually don't remember what happens. Like like Lando comes with a bunch of ships and saves them on. Yeah, that, Senegal. That, no, Exegol. Exegol. <laughs> Senegal is the capital. Exegol. Exegol or something. Exegol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. It's so forgettable. The story. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't even remember what happens. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it since I watched it in the theaters. Yeah, I think I'll watch it once after that. But yeah, no, yeah, I haven't seen it many times either, yeah. and I won't be watching it many times. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe it's just not. maybe the the Disney films weren't for us. You know what I mean? Like maybe well, Star Wars they're... is always meant to be for kids. Like George Lucas has always said, it's it's meant to be for kids. Yeah, so, yeah um, kids. maybe we're not kids now. So we're not kids. <laughs> maybe <laughs> the Mandalorian I know was for me. Mandalorian is for like the thirties and the forty year old dudes. Dude, it has all my favorite actors. The moment they showed a Mandalorian show with Bill Burr making a cameo, I'm like, all right, you guys made this for me. Like, I'm fucking, like, that's for me. I'm, I'm watching that show. So fair enough. I'm like, I know what's for me and I'm I'm excited for what's around the corner, but I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just keeping my mind open. I'm not watching trailers anymore because I'm just like, they're going to build up expectations with that. I'm just not going to watch it. Um. We'll see how we go. I, yeah. I'm I'm genuinely going to be like open minded about what's coming because it's a brave new world. And look, season three not as good as season 
two for Mandalorian, but I think season three didn't try and set up too many things. They just, they stopped it where it was. Yeah. So I think um, from a non-Star Wars person, I mean, I've, I've watched all the Star Wars movies, but I'm not, I'm certainly not a, a big fan like you. Um, I think season three was, season two and season one were certainly a step above season three. I think this is a step below. Uh, and as as a neutral person watching this show uh, uh, and watching Star Wars, I just I'd like them to get a bit more accessible. I think they're starting to get a bit more cliche, um, niche in yep. terms of like they're, they're really targeting certain audiences. Uh, and Mandalorian sort of opened it up, but then I don't know what's happened, but it started to become narrow again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the way they're telling stories. So like when Force Awakens came out. Um, that attracted a, a brand new audience to Star Wars. Mm, yep. Uh, and uh, throughout the sequel trilogy, they kind of slowly lost them. And uh, I think Mandalorian's brought them back on, but then they're starting to lose them again. Yeah. So I'm yeah. hoping that. Um, mm, you're right. Going the, f- the wonder is kind of lost. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many other. I think when Star Wars, the first Star Wars came out, it was one of a kind at that time. That's why it was such a phenomenon. And that's why it's still got such a big fan base. Now we've just got so much pop culture. We, you know, there's so many. <laughs> it's so much. <laughs> there's so many different things that you can get into, and so much deep mythology. Like in the Marvel universe, there's you know, it's a wide universe, and oh, there's so yeah. many different things uh, in that universe. Um, I feel like Star Wars is losing its audience because it's just not, it's just not capturing what people want. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. At this stage, so uh, I hope those new films they they do something different and they get the audience back on on board. And Ahsoka's lo- looking pretty good, but I think again that's just going to attract the core Star Wars. Yeah, fan there base. is a lot of like pulling in the Rebels fans, pulling in the Ahsoka fans, the Clone Wars fans, and it, it's it's going to be a merger of a lot of things. And I'm going to make a call here. I think the secret ingredient to bringing in all to to bring back that new wonder is going to be a good villain yeah i think that that's what the sequel trilogy suffered from as well because snoke was a menacing villain in the first movie well even even before snoke kylo ren when i saw the trailer when i first saw the teaser trailer for force awakens i was enamored with what you are describing this wonder of like who are these characters when i saw kylo as the next darth vader or something like weird, the voice modulator and shit. And you see Darth Vader's burnt thing. So I was like, oh, he actually knows this thing existed, but he wants to be his own villain. Who is this kid? Who is this character? I was really, really fascinated. That wonder of who is this new villain created this kind of need for me to see who are the heroes that are going to fight against this force. Yeah. So I think if they have a really good villain and that villain, I, I am 99% sure it's going to be Thrawn. Yeah. A lot of people like... Casual fans might not know who this is. They know the name has been dropped, right? And even me, I i wasn't the one to go and read the novels back when the original Star Wars were made. That's where Thrawn was introduced by Timothy Zahn. I didn't read those stuff. I'm relatively new in reading up, you know, the audio books and, and the Thrawn legacy and that kind of stuff. So he's going to be new to a lot of people. And he's visually very like, okay, what is this? I think he's the secret ingredient. If they do it well. Yeah. If they bring about, he's the one character where he's bested, you know, the rebels many times tactically. Yeah, and he's basically like in Rebels. You watch Rebels season three, 
season four, sorry, go and watch some of those episodes. You just see the the protagonists get their like asses wiped, completely handed to them by military tacticians that are headed by Thrawn. And he's just like saying, well, you walked right into our trap. And you're thinking, wow, well, what does it take to defeat someone like this? That would be an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. Um, or you can introduce a completely new story, wipe the slate clean and like Acolyte or this new first Jedi, like very, very first Jedi yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think there's a there's a story for everyone, but there still needs to be something everyone can rally around. Yeah. And the other problem with Star Wars is there's a lot of similarities between all three trilogies in terms of the the protagonist is a certain type of character. Yeah. They're special. They're the one. Yeah. Oh, the maybe chosen if, one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if we move away from that sort of prophecy type storytelling and just do something different. Like Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think yeah. with the Skywalker saga ending, that's that's done. Yeah. They're not doing that mistake again. <laughs> um I I think we're starting to see that now with the shows that prioritize the group and the the family. You know? Star Wars is about family, obviously. Yeah. But when they when you start to make family about the people who are not just your own blood, but people who you choose to be. So Boba Fett was about that. Right? Book of Boba Fett. Mandalorian was about that essentially, bringing back the Mandalorians together to be the one family unit. And I think when you have that kind of uh, group-oriented thing, you kind of subvert the whole individual must save everything, like the the chosen one or the leader or or the the one who was prophesized to have taken the the kind of thing. Yeah, you, you're moving away from that kind of storytelling, which we're seeing a bit more of. I'll tell you personally what I miss. I miss the most is Clone Wars. Just that you had a army you had a structure you had the the republic versus the separatists or the the, the weird the, the baddies right they were just there and you had this constant dynamic of soldiers trying to follow orders and be moral in a time where there's warfare or have like really really dark battles where it's just like the umbara arc in clone wars where it's just day after day of grueling trench warfare inhospitable inhumane situations that was really cool to watch because it's like I'm watching like a war documentary, but in space. <laughs> so it's like, mm. it's really weird. Um, I'd love to be more of that gritty kind of side of, you know, where the human condition is tested. And, and we're seeing that with Andor. That's, I think that's Andor, why people love yeah, Andor. Yeah. Is that you, you're getting back to that gritty sense of the, the empires actually looking competent. They're looking scary. So you're having these people trying to find a way to fight against them is actually exciting. You kind of see, you know how it ends. People know how the story ends. But they're still invested, still, yeah. Which is really, really cool. Like, you, I, if I if I were to put my money on which Star Wars franchise would get people most engaged, I wouldn't have put it on Andor. Yeah, because it's like Rogue One follows it. We know how Rogue One ends. How are there any stakes? Yeah, and there's still stakes. I'm just like, damn. And he was Andor. He was like the second lead in Rogue One. I yeah. mean, he wasn't in the main character. Yeah, yeah. He was second lead. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. Uh, is again good writing. Good writing can can do wonders for a show, and I think they they're finding where the writers are. They're finding they're testing the waters, and they're seeing which writers which writers got the right stuff, and they're pulling it back in. And it's it's going in, in a direction that I'm hopeful of. I think the whole Star Wars genre. I I I think it's easy to blame Kathleen Kennedy when something yeah. we don't like happens, but we have to remember she was behind all of the decisions that worked as well so mandalorian working was uh, giving john farrow and dave filoni directive creative Bring control out, yeah was you know was the executive decision obviously uh and or was an exe- executive decision like everything that was worked is also 
responsible. So let's let's keep a fair and balanced critique of what works versus what doesn't work. Yeah, and I think it's and people were yeah. very critical of uh, George Lucas when he made the prequels. Oh but, yeah, let's but, not forget. Yeah, people didn't love the prequels by any means. <laughs> people literally, there's a Star Wars viewing order called Machete Order, where it's you watch episodes four and five, and then you watch episodes two and three, mm-hmm. and then you watch episode six before watching the sequels. They completely cut out one. <laughs> okay, it's called the Machete Order because it cuts out one, and I'm like, people hated George Lucas's prequels. And they're only loving it now because they're watching the sequels going, okay, I, I, I see what George was trying to do. I like these films now. <laughs> and Clone Wars, people like wouldn't have liked the prequels if it wasn't for Clone Wars. Yeah. So I think the love is coming after the fact. Yes. It's, yeah. it, he got so much shit for even the editing the original. So, you yeah. Know. And the overwhelming response when Disney bought the rights from George Lucas was positive because they're mean, like, yeah. Finally, we're going to get Star Wars without George Lucas. Maybe they're going to make some good Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the whole sentiment was back then, like, let the fans make the films. Yeah. Because, George, you don't know what Star Wars is anymore. You've kind of – your your dialogue is horrendous. And it, I'll be honest, the dialogue was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> for for Attack of the Clones, some of the, the – he, he didn't know how to write romance. So all of that between Anakin and Padme felt yeah, so So two was a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <It was> so <laughs> and, and to be honest, that's why to this day I still love Phantom Menace. Because it has no romantic subplot. It's just full action. It has one of the best race sequences in like all of film. It's got Darth Maul. It's got Darth Maul. The, the end game. It's got Young Obi Wan. It's got Qui Gon Jinn. It's and pretty good. Duel of the Fates, the soundtrack. Bro, it's yeah. beautiful. The film is actually a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. I think it's better than Attack of the Clones. Not as bad as Revenge of the Sith, obviously, but it's good. And, and it's much better than the sequels for me, <laughs> looking at how politics and stuff never really went away. So. Yeah, people people are now wanting George Lucas to claim back the movies and do yeah. it again. I think it's going to be a wave. It's going to be a wave. I, I would love to see George Lucas take it back. I think he's very happily retired with the billions and billions of dollars that he got paid from. He's, he, he's definitely not going to be he, – he, he's not going to forget <laughs> what it's like. But, yeah, yeah, Star Wars is a very interesting place to be in right now. And if you're just joining, there's something for you. If you're a veteran, hop on the boat. You know, let us know where we went wrong or what we might not have criticized enough of. <laughs> yes, um, it's it's an it's an interesting place to be, and I'm just waiting for the day where they have Star Wars Celebration Melbourne or Sydney or something. Yeah, I'll be there, man. Well, they had it in London. So had it in London. Uh, if they ever yeah. have it in Melbourne, in Australia, yeah, I'm gonna cosplay. Who would you cosplay as if you could cosplay in Star Wars? Yeah. Ooh. Um. Let's see. Who's it? I wouldn't go as a Jedi, so I wouldn't go as any of the Jedi. Yeah, Jedi's a bit too yeah. easy. I wouldn't go as a Jedi, but maybe um, who's a character that I like? I, obviously, I like Din Djarin. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I would love to start doing yeah, If I, I had a full Beskar outfit, yeah, I'd love that. Din Djarin, probably. Yeah. Yeah, out of all the characters I could choose from, yeah. Din Djarin, nice. Yeah. I'd, I would love to dress up. Not much of a, yeah, maybe not Han Solo. No, not really. Han Solo, yeah. You, no. could, you could do a good Indian yeah. Han Solo. <laughs> have, have Remy dress up as Chewbacca <laughs> with a little belt. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Or I could go as uh, Din Djarin and Remy's uh, Grogu. So that, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, a little pouch. Yeah. Keep him in air yeah. gel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd love to dress up as one of the, one of the clones. One of oh, the, yeah. Like either Rex or uh, Cody or just as just in, in clone. If I can get clone armor uh, or I'll probably Commando. I'd go as a Republic Commander. That'd be cool. Yeah. It'd be a good excuse just to wear the, wear the suit. <laughs> yeah. 
weather thing around. And I've seen some people do some crazy cosplays. Yeah. But um actually my favorite character in Star Wars and everyone dresses up as as him, but Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But yeah, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't do that. It'd be too cool. I mean, yeah, after yeah, Ezra comes out, I might consider doing Ezra. Yes. Yeah. He's technically, you know, he's he's got that slightly ethnic look, so I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe we could pass it as Ezra. We'll see how that works. But yeah, that's if it's coming to Australia, which I doubt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see how that goes. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe if um, we get enough support on the podcast, we can fund a trip to wherever it's, Solar Celebration oh, it's, is. It's going to be in Japan, I think, next. Oh, that'll be, it's not far. Asia Pacific is not far. It'll yeah. be interesting. And then oh, we're going to get a lot of like Star Wars Visions cosplays happening as well. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. Yeah. So if you yeah, drop drop us a couple of uh, bucks, we'll go to <laughs> yeah. Star Wars Celebration Japan and bring you bring you the first hand news on what's happening there. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you want to support the podcast, um, all we really ask for is just reviews. So like, um, review us on iTunes and Spotify. Yes. But um, since we're on, this will be on YouTube. So uh, drop a comment, subscribe on YouTube. Oh yeah, please comment. I love YouTube comments now. Yes, they're the best. <laughs> they, used to, they used to be cancer, but now they're good. <laughs> we'll see. Whenever we talk about anything um, like Star Wars, I think we'll get a lot of opinions. So uh, definitely voice your opinions in the comment section. Yeah, it should be good. Um, and you can contact us, um, obviously, comments. But um, if you want to send us an email, cognitiverecalibrationpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, C uh, Recalibration, and Instagram and TikTok. So nice. follow us on all of those. Thanks, Pascal, for coming on. This was fascinating discussion, actually. Oh, so it's a um, I thought it'd be great to talk about not just confine ourselves to just Mandalorian season three, but just talk about Star Wars. Yeah, in general. Star Wars in general. That's no, always a yeah. pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, looking forward to where the future, what the future brings. Yes. So yes. Yeah. Let's, let's... May the force be with us both. <laughs> That's right. May the force be with you guys <laughs> watching this. If you make it through all one and a half hours, good on you. <laughs> Um, so thanks everyone for listening or watching this episode. Um, next week we're going to be fast fastening our seatbelts. Fast for- ten, <laughs> fast tending <laughs> for uh, fast X. So uh, let's. Uh, those are always fun. Those movies. Oh they're, man, not good, but they're always fun. Five so. times the trailer said family five times. Like, <laughs> I counted it. I counted it. I was in, I was in the theater watching it. I'm like, yeah. ah, that's once. It's twice. Nothing gets in the way of my family. (laughs) Yep, that's five. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll look forward to that next week. Tyron will be back and, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what that's that's like. It's always always an enjoyable time. That'll be fun. Talking about those movies. So, um, hope you're all staying safe. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you guys next week for Fast X. Have a good one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.